Hello and welcome to the Creative Lotus Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Zaki. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Creative Lotus Podcast. Today's guest is Michael Sasaki. Yay! Yay. Michael is... A- <laughs> Michael is a figure skater and a actor who has been seen in Shameless as well as Cobra Kai, and he has just produced and starred in his own short film, Masaru. Welcome, Michael. Yay! <laughs> Welcome to me. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank Welcome you. to you. This is great. Thank um, you. So, you know, I obviously gave you a little bit of an intro, but we'd love to kind of know some of your background. So um, where were you born and raised? I was born in Monterey Park, California, Um, and uh, and I was kind of raised all over, actually. We lived in Walnut for a little bit, and then then we moved to Torrance, and then now I'm in Los Angeles. Amazing. Yeah. So SoCal born and raised. Yes, I am a native. Amazing. And did you ever move outside of LA and then come back or have you always kind of just been here? Yeah, actually I, I, um, for college, um, I went to Sofia university of America. And so I was in Aliso Viejo for about four years. Mm -hmm. And then after I graduated, I stayed in Aliso Viejo and then kind of like, um, moved around to mission Viejo for a few years. And then I finally made my transition up here to LA in like 2000. I don't even remember because I'm so old. Um, 2009. <laughs> <laughs> That's not that old. Um, or not that long ago, I should say. So what made you come to LA? Obviously, you've been in Southern California for like your whole life, but was the industry what drew you specifically to LA or? Uh, it's interesting. I, I Yes. So <laughs> the short answer is yes, it was acting that I wanted to uh, pursue up in here in LA. Because um, when I was down in Orange County, I was already starting to... Um, come to LA for auditions for commercial mm-hmm. um, for commercials and um, I was like oh my god the drive is horrible I have to just for like a five minute audition I'm driving like an hour and a half you yeah. know so it became really taxing and so it's like in my heart I was like I gotta move to LA I gotta move to LA but um, what brought me to LA was an internship oh wow yeah in Santa Monica um, at the SGI headquarters okay yeah and so I was there um, for a year Oh, wow. Yes. That's a big internship. A big internship. Um, so that's what initially drew me out to L.A. And then afterwards, um, you know, I tried to figure life out. Went back on the road. Um, when I say on the road, on the seas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as I was a performer on cruise ships. Um, right. So I was doing that and then um, came back to L.A. Yeah. Amazing. So you you mentioned briefly there about being a performer on cruise ships, and that was specifically skating. Yes. I know that figure skating has been your, since young childhood, has been kind of your passion and career for so long and before yep. you really dove into acting as well. Yeah. And I know you also still teach. Can you kind of give a little bit of history as to like what, why skating? I mean, it's such a unique, mm-hmm. um, you know, form of creativity. Yeah, um, I saw figure skating on TV for the first time in like 1990 something. Mm -hmm. And I think it was like Christy Yamaguchi winning the Olympics. Yes, Christy. And yes, Christy. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, can I can I do a little side note? If I were ever to be a drag queen, (laughs) my name would be Christy Grab My Coochie. Yes, Christy Grab My Coochie. Come to the stage, please. That's right. Liv, I'm sure she would give you a shout out on Twitter or Instagram. That's amazing. That would be amazing. Um, (laughs) 
and then I'll be your guest as Christy Kramakuchi, and then we'd have to do another podcast. It'd be amazing. Love. Um, so yeah, so I watched, I saw her win the Olympic gold and I was like, oh my gosh, like that looks really cool. Number one, jumping in the air and then landing on one foot on a piece of metal. And then two, what does it feel like, you know, winning something like that? And mm -hmm. so um, I started skating when I was 10, which is a little late for most kids. Skaters? Yeah, okay. kids start like when they're in the fetus, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, I, I was I was a late bloomer. Um, <laughs> but I was quite a natural because I was a roller skater or mm -hmm. no, no, rollerblader. So, yeah, so I, I, I kind of had this natural ability uh, with with my balance and so as soon as I started skating I was glued to the ice and I was like oh my god this is it like it was just this this feeling that I had in my body I was like this is what I need to do and so um, I started taking private lessons and um, one thing led to another and I was already you know in this competition costume doing competitions and um, then four years later you know I won the junior olympics at wow. 14 um, which then led me to many more national championships in the senior level um and i competed to the equivalent of a olympic trials wow um and then uh, and then college hit and that's mm. where my my shift focused my my focus shifted a little bit and that's when i uh really just focused on my education right um and then realized okay you know olympics is not gonna be my path Mm. Um, and then that's when I decided to uh, enjoy my skating without the pressure and perform nice shows okay. um, and found a really amazing company with BTEC Productions and Royal Caribbean and performed on cruise ships, believe that's it or not. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. What was it like being on cruise ships and kind of constantly um, moving or kind of progressing on these different, you know, cruises if you will but then not necessarily having like a, a home base other than kind of because how long would you be out on these cruises you'd be out like yeah yeah so cruise ship life you're you're out for like six months at a time okay yeah you leave home you have a room on the ship for six months that's your home and it's a tiny room mm. you know um and so then when you come back home you have about two months you know on land before you go back out for another six months okay so that kind of continued for about like five years or so five or six years wow um so it's really you have to make your heart your home you know it's cheesy yeah. but um yeah home is where you're at yeah wow well at least it's not too bad it sounds like you would at least have some downtime two months is a decent amount of time to kind of like reset yeah. before yeah. you go out totally. i thought it was kind of like you know oh you jump on one cruise ship and then like you're home for two weeks and then you jump on another cruise oh, ship yeah and then go. some people do that actually wow yeah that's oh. crazy um and yeah, I didn't really know about the the Olympic background or Junior Olympics background and everything. So that's amazing. I'm sure that did that bring out kind of a competitive spirit in you to to really kind of fight. I'm, it sounds like you really had to constantly work. On oh yeah. Your... Oh yeah. I'm I'm a competitive person by nature. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you should see me on the freeway. <laughs> um, I'm kidding. I'm a very peaceful driver. <laughs> Don't lie to the audience. <laughs> It's okay. We all um, get a little mad on the freeway. Right? Especially right? in LA. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I'm kind of a competitive person to begin with. So, you know, um, skating, competing in figure skating was like the best avenue for me. Yeah. And, you know, you not only you learn skating, you learn life lessons. You know, it's like when you get last, you know, at a competition, how do you motivate yourself to move on to the next competition? Mm. When you get first at a competition, how do you stay humble? 
right you know and so i had to really navigate through those experiences and i i feel like it's it's made me a better person because of it that's amazing yeah, yeah. i know my tendency i'm very competitive as well and it's funny i've talked to like other friends of mine and everything. And they're like, really? You're competitive? I like would never have guessed. And I was like, do we know each other? <laughs> because yeah, it, it definitely is something that I've had to learn how to be more humble. But like mm-hmm. you said, also know that like if you beat someone or win, it's great, but not necessarily, you know, just taking that and kind of running with yeah, it, yeah. but also understanding that, that every competition, right. There's going to be a winner and a loser sure. or, you know, they're in between, yeah, yeah. but really having the, the compassion for that other person who has lost, but knowing that like, also you're never, you're never a moment away from like potentially being also that the loser or coming sure. in second, third, fourth, yeah. whatever it may be. So going into like your acting side of things, kind of what was it that got you into acting coming? You know, obviously you said you went to SUA coming out of college um, and then coming to LA kind of what was that progressive move? If you will, sure. for yourself. Yeah, sure. Let me actually back up because yeah. I was um, really into being in front of the camera at a very young age. Okay. Um, when I was like nine or eight, I would take my dad's camcorder, mm-hmm. eight millimeter camcorders. Yes. And I would make little movies. Mm-hmm. You know? So I really had this zest for being in front of the camera You know, mm-hmm. at that age. Um, and then it wasn't until high school when Titanic came out mm-hmm. and Leonardo DiCaprio was the thing. Right. Um, did I want to just all of a sudden be like him, you know? And so then uh, I would take the camcorder and make little movies with my friends. So I always had this desire to perform in front of a camera, but didn't really think to pursue it until after I retired skating from skating in shows. Okay. So it was just like, if you will, a seed that was just growing slowly inside of me. Okay. And I knew there was going to be a point where I had to face it. And, um, I remember just telling people throughout my life, oh, one day I'm going to be an actor. One day I'm going to be an actor. One day, you know, and that moment came after actually after my parents passed away about four and a half years ago. Hmm. Um, It was kind of like this like moment in my life where I had to ask myself, like, what do you what are you going to do with your life? Life is too short. Right. You know, and um, that's when I had this kind of uh, reality check and realized that this voice that was inside of me all this time of wanting to be an actor must come out now. Hmm. You know, so that, that's been my journey, you know, with acting over the many, many years. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. I think there always is like that one point in our life where we really kind of have to decide, like, what is it that truly makes me like happy? Yeah. And what do I really want to do? Yeah. And sometimes that's scary and yeah. we don't want to necessarily go there. But uh, the decision is really ultimately ours. Yeah. You know, and I think that. What I found is too often people don't want to take that leap. Right. So they just kind of settle for whatever it is that they're doing right. as a means to just get by. Yeah. Um, but obviously you're not one of those people, which is amazing and really, you know, took uh, the daunting jump into acting, especially yeah. because it is once again, a very, very competitive, you know, career and especially living in Los Angeles where everyone is an actor just yeah. waiting to be discovered. Yeah. So through all of that, kind of what are some of the personal struggles? You know, you did mention that you, you know, lost your parents about four years ago, mm-hmm. but going through all of this, uh, what have been some personal struggles that have really helped you to become uh, more creative in your fields? Mm, that's a really good question. I think, I think for me, it's really looking at like the thing that makes me suffer the most. Wow. 
the thing the thing that makes me suffer the most is quite ironically the thing that makes me the most creative wow and so for example uh i just uh finished shooting my short film yes um masaru congratulations thank you and the whole idea of this story is about you know going against conformity to honor your voice wow you know it's it's and that's like my life mm. you know i feel like my whole life i've tried to seek validation from the outside mm -hmm. from my peers from you know my my work environment everybody you know like everybody validate me you know right. but i couldn't validate myself mm. and that was my life struggle you know I, i have a whole laundry list of reasons why i couldn't validate myself we all do right. you know so um but interestingly enough it was those reasons that helped me develop the story okay yeah so i guess you know in the short end of it it's it's my sufferings that are actually my my biggest allies <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah so that being said kind of what would you characterize as your greatest strength and ultimately like your greatest weakness when it comes to doing your creative outlets whether that is figure skating or acting mm hmm Well, I think um, I'm still just trying to discover that. That's like <laughs> <laughs> we all, yeah. yeah. You know, I it's it's really hard to pinpoint what those things are. But I think um, the opportunity for me is that um, over the past few years, I've been really recognizing that uh, I am very uh, black or white, mm. and that I forget to look in the gray. Okay, you know. Um, And very extreme this or that and i think when we can look at a situation with a large scope um it helps us detach from this narrow view of it has to be this way mm. you know and i think being attached to one particular outcome mm -hmm. um can really cause us stress and you know tremendous amount of pain and suffering because we are just focusing on one you know one attachment if you will yeah right and so for me i think um i've been really learning to make that tendency of my life become my strength which mm -hmm. is learning to be open-minded which is learning to self-reflect learning to stay humble um so i think yeah just navigating through those weak weaknesses and strengths i think help us um develop ourselves and our awareness even more So I know that wasn't really kind of a direct answer to your question. No, but, uh. no, no, that's great. Yeah. I mean, well, it kind of goes to what you said, right? Which is the struggle of your, it's almost like your greatest strength are those struggles because yeah. they create like such, uh, the creative side comes out of those struggles, yeah. right? Yeah. And your ability to create like Masaru, your short film was derived only because of your own story to go through these personal struggles and, you know, like your life's journey and being, you know, kind of going against the grain and not being what society deems as, you know, like, oh, that's right. Or yeah. that's male, that's binary, that's whatever. Right, right. You know, but really kind of breaking that. Yeah. Um, no, I love that. So you thank you to the question. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, so with the creative uh, sphere that you're in as an actor kind of, you know, has there ever been a moment uh, where you feel like, man, I've really like made it. Um, I know a lot of people say like, you know, it's a progress of things, but is, has there ever been a moment for yourself where you felt like, damn, I really made it. Um, maybe not in those ways that we think. You know, one feels like, oh, we've made it. Yeah. But I've definitely had moments where I, I've stopped 
and talk to my, you know, 15 year old self that was mm-hmm. making movies, you know, with the camcorder right. and, you know, address him and be like, this is where you're at. Wow. You're, you're, you just made a short, you know, you did a couple of roles on uh, TV mm-hmm. um, during a pandemic, yeah. you know, it's like, this is where you're at. So I wouldn't, I, I don't know if I would call that I made it, but, um, I maybe I'm making it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that for so many of us it is kind of this constant like struggle, right? To to keep on moving forward. Yeah. And so uh the idea of making it is never really just kind of like a bar. Right. 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 You know, like or it, destination. Like I'm here. Exactly. Right? right. Yeah. Because if it is, then right, then where else is there to go? Exactly. You know, but exactly. I think that um more than maybe making it, it's like at like getting the 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 role on Shameless and getting the role in Cobra Kai and doing your own projects are like the the pegs in this board that you're able to go like wow like sure. I've had things that I'm like have been working towards yeah, yeah. um and really been able to be like proud of those things yeah which there's nothing definitely. wrong with that yeah 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 I've I definitely had a moment where. When we started shooting Masada, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's happening. This was literally in my head floating around, you know, for two years. Mm. And finally, I produced it onto paper right. and then found a team. And right. then, you know, there was a moment where like, I can't believe this is manifest. You know, I I would have never imagined even a year ago that I would have be, you know, be doing this right. at this moment in my life. So, yeah, it's it's been very just encouraging. That's amazing. Yeah. I love it. What brings you the most happiness now, if you will, in 2021 uh, versus when you started out as an actor? Ooh, these are deep <laughs> questions. Yes. Are you sure this is not therapy? <laughs> <laughs> therapy with Alan Saki. <clears throat> That's right. Um, I rec- recommend it, everyone. <laughs> um, I think when you're when you are starting anything, mm-hmm. um, you always have this uh, optimism and maybe a little unguided mm. right it's like oh i want to do this i want to do that and then and then you face reality mm-hmm. and you're like oh my gosh it's gonna take this to get there yeah you know so i think i did come into acting like oh yeah i'm just gonna walk on set and be this actor wow. um and these past four years have really humbled me mm. you know and have taught me that the process is so important because mm. Girl, I hate the process. Okay. I just want it to be there. Done. Yeah. Done. Yeah. And something about the process really irks me. Okay. Because it's in the process is where you have to face yourself. Wow. The toiling. Right. 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 The character building. Exactly. The yeah. And so I think there is this part of me that's afraid to see myself, hmm. you know, and you know, maybe it's afraid of failure, you right. know, or afraid of the responsibility of success. I don't know, you know, yeah. but there is this um, kind of backing away from the process. So um, I've been working on that and um, really learning to appreciate that it's the process and what you do in the process that really determines the outcome, mm. you know? So if I, so. if I want to get to the finish line, you know, if I want it to be that, then I need to focus on the process, right? you know? So I think that has shifted from when I first started acting to, to where I am now, yeah. Amazing, yeah. yeah. No, I think the process is also part of the struggle, but the the building points for us to be become happy with the the way we go about things. Yeah, you know, and I'm guessing as an actor, I'm not an actor myself, but uh, you know, going through the struggles of kind of figuring those things out is actually what 
brings you joy when you then are able to present it on the screen or, you know, on the stage or whatever it is. Absolutely. Um, that's yeah, no, that's absolutely a, a process. And I think that in four years time, although it seems very short, there's so much that you can actually kind of learn from like who you've become. You know, mm -hmm. I look back four years ago and I'm kind of like, oh, wow, you were real full of yourself and not, <laughs> not, not a whole lot going on there, you know, um, compassion wise or other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that learning to really kind of embrace the the process and the struggle is is really crucial. Um, yeah. So my next question for you yeah. is, <laughs> you know, what is your work ethic like? Being uh, creative is no easy task. So what does it take for you to really do your work? Because you talk about not really liking the that struggle or the process of being an actor, like what, what has your work ethic been like in order to go and like dive really deep into that so you're able to bring out, you know, the characters that you're playing? Mm, that's a really great question. I think over the years I had to kind of mold my style of work. Mm -hmm. um, recently, it's been my my key word that I have as an actor going into any script is empathy. Mm. You know, as a as a person who practices Buddhism, mm. um, I strive to have empathy and compassion for those around me. Right. And so I feel the same for my characters, you know, how much can I understand this person mm -hmm. without judging them? Right. Um, how, how much can I um, create from this empathy of this person? Right. right. It's actually something I learned from Mel Streep. She, she talks a lot about empathy. Right. And she's someone I really look up to. Yeah. Um, she's a phenomenal actress and tells a great story mm -hmm. because I feel like she really works hard at trying to understand and empathize with the person she's trying to portray. Right. Because we have a responsibility to tell a story. You know, we have a responsibility to tell a story. And if we don't dig into that, then we're not doing the story service. Right. So for me, it's right now. I mean, it may change in a year. It may change in two years. Um, it's really sitting down and, and really trying to develop empathy for the for this character that I'm playing. Um and, uh, you know, I have to, it's, it's hard sometimes because I, I feel like I have like many ADD. So mm -hmm. when I go to sit down to learn uh, my lines, um, my hand just reaches for my cell phone, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so I have to make it a point to, you know, put my phone in a different room when I'm studying and learning right. my lines. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So as an actor, you know, there's many kind of methods. Is there something specific that you have really honed in on in order to do that work other than just putting your cell phone in the other room? But, yeah. you know, like you're talking about, you know, the great Meryl Streep, yeah. you know, there's, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, a lot of actors go kind of for method acting. So right. it's really kind of being that character that right. you are and right. coming from, like you said, a place of empathy. Is, is there something that, or a training that you've had uh, specifically that's really kind of given you the ability to go really deep into the characters that you're playing? Um, I think for me, it's, it's about, um, you know, putting yourself in an imaginary circumstance, mm -hmm. right? Living in this imaginary world. Um, and there's, you know, there's, I work with uh, Lewis Smith. He's, he's an amazing actor and coach and, um, he has a lot of tools. Um, which actually pull from a lot of the school of thoughts, okay. you know, so it's, it's not this like one way. Right. Right. Uh, but I think the biggest uh, thing for me 
is um, being present. Hmm. And what keeps me present is listening. Listening uh, puts me in a place where I'm authentically responding to the other person. Right. Right. If I'm if I'm trying to if I'm responding based off like my lines in my head and how I'm going to do it and all that stuff, then it's really going to come off um, rehearsed. It's going to come off not authentic at all. Right. Um, so for me, I think um, one key technique, uh, I think it's the miser technique. Um, where you do like repeats where you go back and say green, 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 green. Hmm. And in the process, you know, the way you say it changes. Right. And so the, when you say it differently, the other person, if they're paying attention to how you're saying it, then they will shift Hmm. and respond differently. And then you'll respond to that. So, um, I think for me, as long as I'm listening to the other person, Mm -hmm. even though I know what their lines are, um, there's something about the way I respond that that feels authentic. Mm. You know, if I'm not listening, it's so visible on camera. Interesting. You know, okay. it, it, it'll show that I'm in my head, you know, especially in auditions. Mm. You know, when when stakes are high and you are nervous yeah. and you're jittery and just like, oh, my God, oh, my God. If you can't focus in that moment, you really come off like you're in your own head. Right. And um, being in your head is a disaster for actors, right. I think, to me. Yeah. yeah. So that being said, you know, obviously with the pandemic that has just kind of taken its course uh, over the last year and so, being an actor, I think that, you know, and once again, correct me if I'm wrong, being in a room with a casting director and like feeling the room, right, and being able to work with them and off that energy and not being in your head, like as you're talking about, has it become more difficult now that you're probably having to do self-tapes and putting in the effort and the work without seeing visually you in your own head without anyone on the other side of that camera. Right. It's, it's an interesting time right now because, you know, self tapes still did exist before the pandemic. Of course. Right. Yeah. We, we would send them in. Um, but the one I think disadvantage to us getting used to self tapes is that we're not exercising the muscle of being in front of someone. Mm. And so when we start going back, if we ever do go back to, you know, live auditions, um, you don't have those five takes at your home in your living room. Right. It's that one time. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, if there's an adjustment, you'll get that second time. Right. But um, I feel like while it's been great to, to, you know, do like 10 takes on my cell phone, (laughs) um, it's also, you know, uh, challenging because if you get used to that, then you won't be able to deliver uh, when it, when it's a live audition right. or or a zoom a, a zoom live callback right you know like right. when you have an audience um so i don't know if i answered your question but um <laughs> yeah no yeah. that's great so that being said you know you obviously were able to book you know shameless as mm-hmm. well as cobra kai during the pandemic were those process yeah go ahead actually cobra kai um was before the pandemic. Okay. So what happened was we we shot in 2000 at the end of 2019. Oh, okay. And then for a year and a half, uh, Cobra Kai, um, I believe, lost their distribution with YouTube. Right. And so for a year, we're looking for oh, they were in a platform. Exactly. Okay. Got it. And so then it finally, you know, Found made Netflix. a deal with Netflix. Doom, doom. Exactly. Um, but yeah, for Shameless, I did do a self-tape during okay. the pandemic. Um, and it was a lot of fun. It, it was, it was just one of those auditions where I got, I was like, oh my gosh, this is just me. I'm just, mm. I just have to be me, you know, right. like I don't need to overthink this. And so, um, that's exactly what we did. You know, I just was myself and I just was a goofball and, and there we go. You. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think that's probably the best type of acting though, is that it's a matter of kind of like obviously honing in who you are, but being authentically you shine so bright on yeah. the screen yeah. instead of it feeling like, Oh, like, like you said, you, you can see when an actor is kind of thinking in their own mind or like trying to make it happen, especially if they're doing an accent and mm. it's not their authentic mm. accent. Not your authentic accent. Oh yes, love. Is that forced? Yes, it's forced. <laughs> forced, like the force be with you. Oh, right. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, you know, what's one thing that you really learned about yourself working in this industry, however that looks to you? You know, sorry, can you repeat that again? <laughs> I was having a bug eye moment spacing it's, out. Yeah, you're like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. So, like, what's uh, one thing that you've learned about yourself working in this industry for the last four years? Oh, gosh that I am so full of shit. (laughs) Um, You know, I think that's, that's the hard question to answer because I I learned that I put my hand over my face as I'm talking this whole interview. (laughs) I'm like, we can't hear you. Say it again, please. That's a nervous gesture. I'm not nervous. I promise. Um, No, I think, uh, one challenge in my life is to really own myself. That's that's just been a common theme throughout my whole life. You right. know, I, I grew up as a really self-conscious Japanese-American closeted queer kid, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and uh, not I'm not doing the whole blaming thing, but my journey was uh, just always feeling different mm-hmm. and not being happy about that being feeling shame for feeling different you know and so (laughs) it's funny that you know someone with that kind of tendency would choose acting Mm -hmm. you know in a world where you're judged all the time for your performance right you know um so for me i think i've really had to learn to do the work to figure out who i am yeah you know i'm still doing it But I feel like since I started becoming an actor, I had to really pay more attention to those inner things, you know, like, why am I freaking out because I, you know, did a bad audition? Like, Mm. why am I so upset? Like, what's at the core of that? You know, why am I overly nervous in in this setting? Like, why do I have social anxiety in this setting? Like, Mm. what's at the core of it? And so for me, I had to really um, work on this, uh, you know, changing that kind of self distortion that I have about myself. And it's funny, acting does help, did help, um, is helping with um, that kind of self-awareness. So I guess, I guess it's a journey, you know, and that that will keep continuing. Yeah, so definitely. I think so you touched on the fact that, you know, you're, you know, Asian American or Japanese American and uh, also queer and a part of, you know, the LGBTQIA plus community. As like an actor and someone that is on screen, you know, do you almost feel there is a responsibility to kind of speak out and have a voice in that realm? Absolutely. I Mm. feel like that's my life's mission, Mm. you know, Um, and that's what what Masaru is all about, you know, is putting a Japanese American queer male at the center. Right. And making him the hero. Right. Because that's what I didn't see growing up. Right. You know, I didn't see me as the hero. I always saw myself as the side guy as the weak guy um 
being represented in the media. Right. You know, so um, it's absolutely my mission to foster um, an environment, projects, a mentality, whatever you call it, a world, foster a world where um, Japanese American queer males or women are not marginalized. Right. No. Yeah. So I don't know if you're aware, but, um, you know, the, the new teaser uh, for uh, I think it's uh, Shang-Chi, which is the first Asian American uh, Marvel character yes, is going to that. be released. Yes. Uh, as well as, you know, Mortal Kombat, which just came out and has actually skyrocketed and is the number one uh film over the weekend on its premiere weekend. And everything. Wow. Um, yeah. Beating out many other films that kind of came before it, That's which awesome. is incredible. So, you know, with so many, you know, and crazy rich Asians obviously was like a huge hit, um, you know, a couple years ago, but uh, with more and more Asian representation being on screen and in film and TV, you know, and as you said, really kind of also showing, you know, the beauty, if you will, of, of Asian American queer folks on television, you know, how do you kind of, how do you express yourself or kind of make it known? Like, are you, do you consider yourself to be an activist or someone that really stands up for these things other than just the work and being authentically you? Or do you really, you know, are you out there kind of being the proponent of, you know, like stop Asian hate, you know, that has mm -hmm. been going on for over years, you know, now, but has really kind of come to the fore in this last few months, really? Mm. I think I, I am... I do vocalize my support for, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, stop Asian hate and things that are happening right now. And um, even when, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement really yeah. started to take off last year, um, I'm still, you know, trying to figure out whether I call myself an activist mm -hmm. or a humanist or, or what, right. you know, um, I think it's a it's a process for me. Um, but I, like I just mentioned, you know, like my mission is to uh, really bring the voices of, of the marginalized to the forefront through media. And so for me, um, that's an important quest. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I hope that that in itself will, you know, show it, you know, show through action. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think... Uh, I'd like to say there's a part of me that's like feels like an activist, but I think there's a lot of responsibility, I think, in calling yourself an activist. Mm -hmm. um, I used to actually call myself a peace activist, um, but um, I feel like, I don't know. Um, I think what's really important for me at this juncture in my life is to uh, really advocate for myself in terms of my inner happiness, really fight for my inner happiness. Mm -hmm. Because if I can't be happy, I'm not going to, I'm going to, you know, be miserable. Right. You know, if I can't make myself happy, I will, I will affect others around me in that way. Right. You know, so, um, yeah, <laughs> this is going deep. Yes. Yes. We're yes. going no, deep. No, I appreciate you being yeah. so open and honest about it. Yeah. With COVID-19, obviously it affected so many people in all types of ways. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, what was it like for you uh, or what was it for you that kept you uh, going during the 2020 pandemic and into 2021? You know, obviously you saw success during this time, which is amazing, but um, I'm sure there was also a lot of struggle, you know, with having the world shut down and LA is kind of a little bit of a ghost town as well. So, yeah. you know, how did you really keep 
the hope and the momentum going uh, all throughout last year and ultimately into this year? Well, um, having an amazing husband, for one, mm. is uh, a great thing, yeah. uh, who is so supportive. Um, hello, Pierre-Eric, if you're listening. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, and my Buddhist practice, to be quite honest. Yeah. You know, um, it's a daily practice. Mm -hmm. It's not a, you know, once a month thing or once a week thing. It's a <laughs> daily practice. And um, it's a practice to bring out your best self every day. Right. Right. And yeah, sometimes you don't bring out your best self, you know. Right. Um, but to have something consistent like that every single day mm -hmm. was the glue that mm -hmm. kept me grounded, you know, or attached or whatever, you right. know. Last year was difficult. It was really difficult, I think, for all of us. Right. You know, I lost, um, I wouldn't say I lost my job, but, um, you know, my, my job came to a stop. You know, mm. I'm also a, a figure skating coach. Right. And so the rink shut down, you know, Hollywood know. shut down. Yeah. So um, I was really relying on my husband for my, my support. Got it. Yeah. No, and, and speaking about having a husband, you know, in 2021, <laughs> who is also, you know, a journalist and in this, you know, creative field, how does that work for you guys? You know, I think that, I think maybe because we live in LA, we're kind of in this bubble of kind of just acceptance and the ability to be open and gay and, you know, having a husband and partner who is so supportive and incredible. But, you know, do you, how do you shut out the haters, I guess, to keep it real blunt and to the point, you know, because... You know, you guys are very open, and I know you just posted a beautiful photo of the two of you with oh, gratitude. You. Yes, yes, on Instagram. Yeah. But gratitude. you know, yeah, are there? How do you really, you know, stay authentically just the two of you and being not kind of affected by what's going on? Thank you. Yeah, <clears throat> I think uh, fortunately I haven't had kind of hater situations. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I feel really grateful for that. Right. And I think what really keeps us grounded uh, is, is uh, I think, a couple things. Just uh, communication, always communicating with each other, mm -hmm. and then um, having fun. That's awesome. You know, just yeah. keeping it simple, having fun, enjoying each other. And, and I think when we do that, um, we keep the perspective broad, and we, we remind each other what it's really about. You know, and not get caught up in what society is saying and right. what's happening in the world. And so, I think to have to have a husband that um, I can do that with and reflect with keeps us grounded and moving forward. Yeah, nice. Does being a multiracial couple come into effect at all, or have you? Had it? <laughs> you know, oh, this is a loaded question. This is a good one. Yeah, I we can do podcasts for this one for days. <laughs> you know, because he is French. You know, yes. from France, and you are an American young strapping lad and you guys are together, you know, yeah. How does that work? You know, cause if you look at the history of America, right. And the fact that, you know, being an interracial couple, let alone being gay, like that's a whole nother yeah. like checkpoint, yeah. but being an interracial couple was not really even accepted for like heterosexuals, let alone right. homosexuals. So kind of how do you, how does that work for you? Is there kind of, you know, more to that than maybe meets the eye? Mm. Well, um, I think it's not so much like a heterosexual, homosexual kind of thing, but yeah. more of a, like you're French and I'm American and our cultures are different. different. Yes. Yeah, you yeah. know, um, there's on his side of the family, there's so much acceptance, mm. you know, and his, I love his family, That's you know, and we're all so close. And um, 
you know, my brothers are so accepting mm. and, you know, my community in general, I, it's, it's so, um, embraceive. Right. So, um, in that sense, I don't think we struggle with, with, you know, fortunately with, with those kinds of things, but we do struggle a lot with, you know, just the, the cultural barriers when it comes to food, mm. when it comes to, um, arguments or, you know, uh, disagreeing and, um, you know, like one thing uh, he uh, Pierrick has taught me is this this culture of apéro, which is, mm. um, I guess, like happy hour for French people, if mm. you will. You know, typically around like six to eight o'clock, mm -hmm. you get together with your friends to you know snack on snack right. and have drinks and Aperitif things like that. Yeah, exactly. And then after you stuff yourself. For like two hours you then have dinner oh. at like nine o'clock oh so this is one thing i never understood right it's like whoa like you know, how do you eat so much you know <laughs> yeah. um and then um and then french people love cheese mm, yes so homage. yes homage and so um cheese has definitely been incorporated into my life mm. um you know after dinner pierre loves to eat cheese so yeah uh, he'll bust out the cheese and I mean, they're like little things, you know, right. it's not like kind of things that won't like ruin our relationship, but yeah. it's just like little cultural differences really speak for themselves and mm. it's, and it's good to laugh at. Nice. You know, are you lactose intolerant? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I am like slightly, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, I think my bot, my body doesn't freak out from cheese. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely have a lactose intolerance, but it's not to the point where like I get sick or, you know, break out sure, knives or anything sure. like that. Yeah. But no, I love cheese. I don't know what it is. It's just like, yeah, it's the most delicious thing. But, uh, you know, I don't know if you've heard about the blood type diet. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm all about blood types. Yeah. And so blood type, you know, I'm A positive, which means that, which tends to be the blood type for a lot of Asian yeah. know, cultural background. Yeah. But in that blood type, it actually says that, you know, you really should be eating more fish and more vegetables and mm. legumes and beans and things yeah. and not dairy or meats yeah. like chickens and cows and all those things. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I noticed that, you know, cheese is not something that is really introduced, especially in Japanese culture right. it, until recently. Now they want to put cheese on everything. Yeah. But, you know, I definitely um, have a little bit of a a little bit of a kickback from dairy, but I oh, I love a good cheese. And oh, yeah. French have some of the French, I should say, have <laughs> some of the best cheese out there. So totally yeah, connoisseurs of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Pierre, Pierre's a blood type as well, and he, okay. he doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> no cares in the world. Yeah, He's exactly. just going to eat the cheese. I yeah. love it. Um, so kind of moving forward and looking into the future, if you will, um, you know, what are some of the goals or things that you really have kind of set for yourself and say like the next three years, five years, even 10 years from now? Mm. Have you thought that far? Yeah, ahead? yeah. I think um, in terms of like my acting career, yeah. um, I would love to – definitely be at a place where I'm like a regular on a show, mm -hmm. um, you know, or, you know, be, uh, starring in films, you know, that's like, um, a definite goal I have within the next few years. Right. Um, and continue writing my own projects yeah. as well. Um, life-wise, I want to start a family. Yay. Um, so Pierre and I have been talking about how, you know, the options of starting a family. So, um, and then, uh, yeah. That's that's kind of our most immediate three to five year goals. 
I love it. I have. So off off audio, I know that you mentioned to me that you're currently in the process of kind of taking that step forward and, and actually buying a home yeah. um, here in LA. So you're really pr- planting roots yes. of your own really in Los Angeles. Yes. Um, you know, what does that, how has that process been and everything? Because, you know, LA is no easy place to live and yeah. or to purchase. It's a very expensive city. Oh, yeah. And especially right now, the market is banging. Yes. And everyone is, you know, wanting to buy and mm-hmm. it's, you know, um, it's, it's been a journey because I had to learn a lot within a month. Okay. Yeah. Within a short time. And, um, I had to learn like, you know, what it means to, you know, that it's the seller's market or it's mm-hmm. the buyer's market, right, you know, right, those terms, yeah. um, and right now it's the seller's market. And so, which means that, um, there's less homes that are being sold. And so um, the sellers have more leverage when it comes to negotiating a price to the house. Interesting. Right? Okay. And the buyers have less leverage. Right. You know, it's it's been a journey. Um, the house that we are looking at right now, we're, you know, going on this amazing journey um, of being patient. Yes. Um, you know, it's uh, buying a house is, is a process. Yeah. You know, so lots of twists and turns. Um, but, uh, what was your original question? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, you know, I think that, you know, planting roots or being here in LA and making, like you said, right. You want to create this family and everything. And so part of that, when you think of like the American dream, whatever that is, yeah. you know, is like to have like the white picket fence, the right, home, right. the children, you know, that whole thing. So I guess you are kind of making, taking those steps now towards that, yeah. right. By, by buying this home or in the process of buying a home. Yeah. And so, no, I was just curious kind of what, you know, that the struggles of that, that have come up, but then ultimately like what it feels like to be a first time home buyer. Yeah. Like, this is your first time. Yeah. Well, you know, something interesting, like yesterday I, I kind of had a, like this epiphany, this aha moment. I was talking to a friend because I was just venting about the struggles that we were going, you know, through to buy a home. Right. I was just like, oh, this is happening. This is going wrong. This is going wrong. And um, my friend really reminded me that, you know, the home is not the four walls. Mm. The home is the relationship you have with your family. That's the true home. And so him just saying that, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so caught up in the physical aspect of buying a home, you know? Yes, that's important. We have to do, you know, take all the actions and steps necessary to secure a home. But to just suffer based off of that is really kind of like seeking happiness in a physical thing, right? right? When really like, we we can have a beautiful home and have really like broken family. Right. You know what I'm saying? So um, I just, yesterday I put into perspective, you know, everything again, like, okay, it's really about, um, the home that we create between each other, you right. know, and our hearts. And so I feel, I feel better about the whole buying situation right now. Yeah. Um, and we don't have to, you know, if it, if, if it falls through, it's okay. Right. You know, there's going to be another opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the end of the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in Buddhist terms, you know, I think that mystically, right. Every cause that you're making for this home and having, you know, you and Pierrick building this, this home together, is kind of what really matters most, right? right? Like you said, you know, the house itself is great, yeah. but it really won't be your home until like the two of you are absolutely happy and that you are each valued in that, right? Exactly. I know you mentioned, you know, before we started recording that, you know, it's like you're not going to settle for less than what we're worth and honey, we're worth a lot. Okay. Oh, so my life is a treasure house. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Treasure yeah. Tower, I meant. <laughs> <laughs> Treasure House, I like it. Treasure Tower, all the things. Yes. I am the physical embodiment of this. Yeah. No, I think um, it's interesting that you say that. And I appreciate you bringing that up, that, you know, you, your friend shared that with you because myself, I really am, you know, chanting, but also just trying to make all the causes I can to purchase a home. But the reality of it is, right, is that you make almost like this bucket list of things that you want this home to be, mm. you know, and the intentions of that. Mm. But even this morning when I was chanting, I was really just realizing that, yeah, it doesn't, it's really about making whatever space that is, right, your home. Yes. You know, and the people that are involved in that and the the ability to, you know, have people come over and help to like make this, you know, house into a home. Right. It's what's really crucial, not just the physicality of right. like, well, I want a three bedroom with, you know, three baths and a beautiful backyard and, you know, yeah. uh, a studio in the back and blah, 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 blah. That's great. But yeah. the reality is, is like you said, there's many people that go into a home or a house rather, and it's not really a home because everything surrounding that relationship or right. the people in it are just like, a mess. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. no, that's incredibly encouraging. I will be uh, sending you all the the good vibes that thank this you. Is the right home for the thank two of you. you. Yeah. Thank you, and I will for you as well. Oh, thank you. I yeah. Appreciate that. So, you know, if we can go even further into the future, uh, do you have kind of a, a fifteen year goal? And I know that seems long, um, but the reason I ask is because. You know, as we get older and after kind of seeing the struggles of 2020, I think that, you know, we are given like the opportunity to really kind of like expand our lives, right? In mm. in the sense of what our vision is for our lives. And so, you know, 15 years from now in the long term of things is really actually not that right, far from now. Right, right. So do you kind of you said you want to have a family and you want to have this home and all of these things in your career, you're going to be working and everything, but are there things on the horizon, you know, that into the future that maybe Michael isn't really there yet, but you could definitely see yourself doing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I still have this dream in my heart. Um, you know, I shared, I shared this with uh, a lot of people, um, many years ago and I still hold this dream in my heart, but uh, I want to create um, uh, an institution, an academy of some sort where uh, of the performing arts. Oh, wow. Yeah. In, in, in Hollywood. Okay. Um, based on, um, you know, the philosophy of humanism. Wow. And, uh, you know, I think we're in a great time to do that right now, especially how things are really shifting Right. in terms of uh, creed and um, paradigms that we have about the world. So um, I always wanted to create uh, an institute about, um, you know, performing arts and how the arts has the power to change um, culture yeah. and the way we think. Right. Um, whether that's a theater or whether that's a museum or whether that's both. Um, I really want to create that kind of uh, institute. Yes. That's incredible. No, yeah. I love that. I actually went to a performing arts school in high school. Oh, wow. And so similarly, it was because of that school that, you know, I ultimately found photography and the arts in general. Mm. And it really did shape, you know, like who I am now because mm. you're amongst peers that, you know, have the respect and understanding for the arts and yeah. what it means that you can really, like you said, shape the world through the arts. Because if you think about the advertising that you see and the the day-to-day, -day, the logos and the products, but also 
the fashion and the music that you listen to, the TV shows that you watch, all of that is influenced by the arts, right? And so like you creating something like that and really influencing the next generation of young people to be able to, uh, you know, expand upon like the dignity of life and the ability to really like see each other as like a human mm. being, you know, and respect that I think would be incredible because, you know, I think we get so concerned as society mm. to be stuck on the academia mm. of things like, oh, you got to be smart. So you better, you know, mm. get this GPA, you mm. know, skyrocketing high. But that's just so much pressure. And then yeah. it's kind of like, where do the arts, you know, where where that isn't, the arts are able to really flourish and yeah. grow the creative minds of of young people. Yeah. Think about it. Like whether you call yourself an artist or not. Right. Like you we are all affected by culture. Yeah. Whether it's photography whether it's music, mm -hmm. movies, like our our society is just moved by it, mm -hmm. you know. So there's no escaping it, yeah. you know. There's um, as long as we're human, I think we're 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 creatures of expression, awesome. you know. So um, I think that's an important point. We have to incorporate art into um, our daily lives, and I think more in our education as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. This podcast was really born out of 2020. I, you know, wanted a place to be able to share the stories of individuals that are in the creative arts um, and how, you know, through their struggles, their personal struggles and life struggles, they were able to really turn, you know, this negativity or these these real hard things into the most beautiful thing and so the analogy right is that of the lotus flower which you know from this nasty gunk underneath the water right which you don't see flourishes this beautiful lotus flower that is just like awe-inspiring right and the beauty of uh, the lotus is that it has the simultaneity of both flowering and seeding at the same time seeing your career and everything that you know you've been able to do how how would you say your lotus has kind of come into bloom, if you will? <laughs> <laughs> um, my lotus is still floating out in the lake somewhere. <laughs> no, um, I think you know something is something that's interesting is my mom always ingrained in me, my late mother mm -hmm. um, always ingrained in me um, that everything is the law of cause and effect in life. That's something she just would always repeat. And I think essentially she was really driving home to the fact that my life is an infinite storehouse of potential. Wow. Right. She was teaching me that I was a Lotus from the very beginning. Right. You know? And so I think with where I'm at in my life, you know, it's really interesting. So I'm going to come back to the whole oh, yeah. buying house situation. Yeah. Um, when I spoke to my friend yesterday, um, he he encouraged me to think, you know, how would how would Isaku Ikeda, um, uh, you know, react in this situation or respond in this situation? Mm -hmm. And um, I realized, for me, what this whole house situation is a, a an opportunity for me to really say what I want. And feel worthy of it. Yes. Right? And so I think my lotus flower right now is blossoming in a way that is telling the universe that I am worthy of all these things in life. You know, because 
the messaging that I've had in my life throughout my life as a, you know, from, from, from my childhood to now mm -hmm. was that I wasn't worthy, mm. you know? So now I'm at a place in my life where I feel like I'm feeling worthy and therefore I'm going to go grasp, you know, that achievement in front of me, you know? So, um, yeah, that's a great analogy. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely. And you are so worthy of all those things. And I think that, yeah, the messaging that young people in general get, you know, is constantly this like, oh, you're not worthy or you're not right. good enough or whatever. Right. So it is like breaking that right. and shifting it, right? Right. To really yeah. believe for ourselves yeah. that like you're worthy and that you're loved, you have the love yourself yeah. to be able to like absolutely yeah. create these things. Like, like with media, like already, like the commercials, they're like, they, you see a commercial and they're saying, you are not good enough until you get this product. Right. You know? Right. You need this product. Absolutely. You know? So it's like everywhere in our society is pointing to if you have this, then you're good. Mm. Right? So I think that's something we have to really shift in our society. Yeah. No, I mean, this is like a total tangent, but the idea of being like an influencer, right? Mm. That word influence, mm. right? Is what advertising has been doing for, you know, centuries. Mm. But ultimately now we've made it so tangible on a very localized level, right? Yeah. That anyone could be an influencer. Yeah. You know, I give you a toothbrush and say, here, please, you know, influence your populace about this toothbrush and how wonderful it is. And, you know, you make like your own little mini advertising campaign out of it. And now all of your followers see that and maybe some of them buy it, maybe someone yeah. don't, but it's like to shift that, right? And to make it so that it's creating value in people's lives and not just selling products or things that we don't technically need saying that like, you're not worthy of this or your life is not this great. But if you have this, right. it can be, yeah. but rather saying like, you are just, you are amazing as you are. And then, but this thing can also elevate you. Okay? <laughs> no, but it is hard. It's, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. yeah. I think someone who works in the visual field and also works like, you know, in advertising as a photographer, it is difficult because sometimes you think like, I'm, I'm, I know I'm not doing brain surgery here and I'm not, you know, creating the, the cause or cure rather for, for cancer. But at the same time, there all, there also is a responsibility for what we do as creatives right. and sharing either stories or images or video or however that looks yeah. to really kind of propel a grander picture of what it means to like create value, not just another thing on yeah. like this, you know, line of things that people see every single yeah. day. Yeah. So no, I, I love that. I think that's pretty much it on my end. I appreciate you so much for coming on and Thank sharing you. your story and um, being here. It. If our listeners would like to follow you, where can they follow you on Instagram or any social media platform? Yeah. Um, on Instagram and Twitter, I am at Mike is ready. Nice. Mike yes. is ready. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Michael. I really appreciate thank you being you, here. Thank you, Alan. Yes. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Woo-woo! This week's Buddhist quote of the day comes from Michael. Quote, each of you has a mission only you can fulfill. If you did not have such a mission, you would not have been born. From Discussions on Youth by Daisaku Ikeda. So this quote really saved his life. Uh, when he was in college and was going through depression and felt worthless, feeling like he had a mission gave him purpose. Thank you so much again to Michael Sasaki. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next week. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Creative Lotus Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Zaki. Please go ahead and subscribe, rate us, and write a review. And follow me at Alan Zaki on social media. I look forward to having more amazing creative dialogues on the next episode. 